Chapter thirty five of the Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred by Francois Rene de Chateaubriand. Chapter thirty five. Paris, June eighteen twenty one. The Rosambo family. Monsieur de Malesherbes. His predilection for Lucile apparition and change of my suffide whilst my inclination and that of my two sisters had thrown me into this literary society our position obliged us to frequent another circle the family of my brother's wife was naturally for us the centre of the latter the president le pelletier de rosambo who afterwards suffered death with such distinguished courage was when i arrived in paris a model of fickleness at this time everything was deranged both the mental and the moral world symptoms of an approaching revolution the magistrates blushed to wear their robes and turned into ridicule the gravity of their fathers the lamoignon the molles the seguier the Dagso wanted to fight and no longer to deliberate the ladies of the presidents abandoning the character of venerable mothers of families issued from their quiet houses to appear as brilliant women of fashion the priest in his pulpit avoided the name of jesus christ and only spoke of the christian legislator the ministers abused each other and power slipped through their fingers it was a fashion to be an american in the city an englishman at court a prussian in the camp to be everything but a frenchman all that was said and done formed but one tissue of inconsistencies they pretended to have a respect for the endowed clergy but would have no religion none but men of gentle blood could act as officers yet they arrayed themselves against the nobility they introduced equality into the drawing-rooms but cudgelling into the camps m de Malesherbes had three daughters mesdames de rosambeau Donnay, and de montboissier he was most attached to madame de rosambeau in consequence of the agreement of her opinions with his own the president de rosambeau had likewise three daughters mesdames de chateaubriand Donnay, and de tocqueville and one son whose brilliant talents were adorned with christian goodness m de Malesherbes enjoyed himself in the midst of his children his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren i have frequently seen him during the early times of the revolution arrive at the house of madame de rosambo worried by politics cast aside his wig throw himself upon the carpet of my sister-in-law's room and begin romping and making a frightful uproar with the assembled children in other respects he would have been a man of ordinary manners were it not for a degree of decisiveness which prevented him from being regarded as such at the first sentence which issued from his mouth one perceived that he was a man of ancient name and a distinguished magistrate his natural good qualities were slightly spoiled by affectation in consequence of the philosophy in which he indulged he was full of wisdom of honour and of courage but hot-headed and passionate to a degree of which he himself informed me when speaking of condorcet that man was once my friend now i should have no more scruple about killing him than a dog he was wrecked by the waves of the revolution and his death established his glory the merits of this great man would have remained concealed had not misfortune displayed them to the world a noble venetian lost his life in endeavouring to save his rights in the fall of an old palace the frankness of m de Malesherbes relieved me from all constraint he afforded me some instruction by this we were first rendered intimate we spoke of botany and geography which were his favourite subjects for conversation it was whilst conversing with him that i conceived the idea of making a journey in north america to discover the sea seen by herne and subsequently by mackenzie we discussed politics also the generous sentiments which gave rise to our first disturbances promoted the independence of my character 
the natural dislike which I entertained to the court added strength to this inclination. I was on the side of Monsieur de Malzerbe and Madame de Rosambeau against Monsieur de Rosambeau and my brother, to whom we gave the nickname of the Irritable Chateaubriand. The revolution would have gained a support in me had it not been commenced by crime. I saw the first head carried on a pike and shrank back. Murder can never appear in my eyes either an object of admiration or a proof of liberty. I know nothing more base, more despicable, more cowardly, or more mean than a terrorist. Have I not met in France with all that race of Brutuses in the service of Caesar and his policy? The levellers, regenerators, and executioners were transformed into valets, spies, sycophants, and still more wonderful, into dukes, counts, and barons. What a moderate age! Finally, it was his liking for my sister that increased my attachment for this noble old man. Notwithstanding the timidity of the Countess Lucille, she was prevailed upon, with the aid of a little champagne, to take a part in a little piece on the occasion of M. de Malherbe's birthday. She appeared so amiable that she quite turned the head of the good and great man. He exerted himself, even more than my brother, to procure her transference from Argentière to Remiremont, for which a strict proof of sixteen quarterings was required. Philosopher as he was, M. de Malherbe held the privileges of birth in high regard. We must consider this picture of men and of society at the time of my entrance into the world as applying to a period of about two years from the dissolution of the first assembly of notables on the twenty fifth of may seventeen eighty seven to the opening of the states-general on the fifth of may seventeen eighty nine during these two years my sisters and i neither dwelt constantly in paris nor when there in the same part of it i must now retrace my steps and take my readers back to brittany i was still devoted to my fancies if the woods failed me, pastimes instead of distant places afforded me another kind of solitude. In the old parts of Paris, under the arches of Saint-Germain-des-Prés, in the cloisters of the convents, in the vaults of Saint-Denis, in the Sainte-Chapelle in Notre-Dame, in the narrow streets of the city, at the obscure gates of Eloise, I still saw my enchantress. But she, under the Gothic arches and among the tombs, had assumed a something death-like. She was pale and regarded me with watery eyes. She was the mere shade or phantom of that dream which I had loved. End of chapter 35 End of part 1